Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Music Lab Podcast. My name is Dog. And I'm Mo. Yeah. 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 It's good to be back in the friendly confines of the studio. It is. For another episode of Music History for August. Do, do, do. Music and the summer, and the summer back to school, all kinds of exciting yeah. events. Life so is let's, good. yeah, let's kick it right. Let's just do it. You yeah. want to start? I'll start. I'll get let's it started. It. So I'm looking at August third, nineteen eighty-seven. Oh, okay. Def Leppard releases the Hysteria album after years of delays and misfortune. The band's drummer, Rick Allen, lost his arm in a car accident, Mm. and the band stuck by him while he learned to play with one arm. Apparently, they armed up all kind of foot pedals that reacted with me. No pun intended. Yeah. And so, yeah, not cool. And so when he was hitting those pedals, and I guess you can see him doing it in the video for Pour Some Sugar On Me. He's like stomping on these pedals. Mm. Those are MIDI pedals, and what that is is... It's called a musical instrument digital interface, and it and it and it just activated drum sounds. So he was still able to play with one yeah. with one arm, yeah. and it's really neat to me that the band stuck by him because mm-hmm. uh, they didn't have to do that, and they totally yeah. did. Yeah. But this album released seven singles. It's one of the finest albums ever produced by the legendary Mutt, Mutt Lange, yeah. who stated that his goal was to make the album the hard rock version of Michael Jackson's Thriller. I'd say, uh, you know, pretty it's, close to yeah, accomplishment. He yeah. did. He did about as good as you could do. Seven hit singles on an album is that's, yeah, that's solid. That's awesome. Def Leppard. Mm, 1987. 1987. Good I remember start. when that came out. Because I, I was 10. excited. <laughs> yeah. I was excited. Well, I think this artist, singer, songwriter, was excited as um, Def Leppard was because on August 6th, 1993, my first uh, tidbit uh, music history for the month, 31 year old Cheryl Crow releases her debut album. Tuesday Night Music Club. The lead single, Run Baby Run, was not successful, but All I Want to Do put the album into the mainstream. It has gone on to sell 10 million albums and won her three Grammy Awards for Record of the Year, Best New Artist, and Best Female Pop Performance. Wow. Talk about a, a debut album. No doubt. Obviously, Hysteria was not a debut album, but man, this she she again, you know, we, we talk about trendsetters and, and people who opened the door for many, many other artists. Cheryl Crow has to be up there Indeed. with you know in a in a world full of grunge at the time. Yeah. This was a, a refreshing you know. There was still a lot of other stuff going well, on. Sure, 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 sure. You know, yeah, grunge was like the spearhead of things. Right. But it but also pop music was yeah. alive and well too. And it allowed a lot of like like that that unplugged sound, which is what she had, really. And a lot of the 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 famous female artists from that time period had that sort of like 
unplugged sound. Yep, Tracy Chapman, Paula Cole. Yeah, I'm trying to think they of did. Uh, and so, so yeah. I think you know, and there were all those crossover country artists then, mm-hmm. like Shania Twain. Yeah, and and so, you know, they had that sound, and and Cheryl Crow was one of the best of those. Yeah, she was good, and she had a good voice, and she was a little older when that album hit. Yeah, thirty-one is yeah. old for a debut. Wasn't she a backup singer? I, yeah, for I think for Michael Jackson, I think was it. I want to okay. say, yeah. Hey, if you know, let us know. If you're like this big Cheryl Crow head, and you're like, you guys are butchering this. She was, you know, it was, it was not even Tito. close. Yeah, it was Jermaine. You know, whatever. Yeah, let us know because we would love to know that. That's good. That's a good date. Yeah, I like man. that one. What you got for so your? So I'm going to pop up to August 9th, okay. 1995. This is a very personal date for me for more than one reason, and Mm -hmm. I'll get to it when I talk about it. Sure. Jerry Garcia, the inimitable face of the Grateful Dead, dies at age 53 from a heart attack. I had a chance to see the dead live a few weeks before this happened, and you know the shame that I have about this is still ongoing. But I just had to work that shift at the Olive Garden, you know. Mm. I needed that 50 bucks or whatever I made. Yeah. And herein lies a valuable lesson for you, folks. Never choose the Olive Garden over the Grateful Dead. That's correct. But that was a big day. Jerry, Jerry that was like the mm. end of, the, of an era. To me, it kind of marked the end of that peace and love movement that they carried on decades beyond their peers. And they really did. They Mm -hmm. carried it on. And so RIP even now. uh, Yeah, he he would have celebrated his 80th birthday last week, I think. And can you believe that in a couple years, that's going to be 30 years ago? Yeah. That's crazy. It sure is. So Mm. anyway, there it is. People do love the breadsticks, though. Yeah. Oh. So <laughs> I'm just going to go. talk about it. Don't do it. I'm going to go a day later for my second date, August 7th. But we're going to go to 2005. And speaking about tragedy with, you know, the Def Leppard's drummer, I'm going to speak about a tragedy too because this is just a, a tragic story that, that, you know, has a happy ending. So singer Mark Cohn was leaving the Denver Botanical Gardens where he had just performed his latest concert on his tour with Suzanne Vega, speaking of another, uh, yeah. when his van is ambushed by a 26-year-old man. The gunman shoots through the windshield, the bullet grazing the driver's chin and lodging in Cone's temple. Wow. Just a centimeter short of his skull. He not only survives, but the physical damage is minimal, and he's able to leave the hospital the next day. Wow. The violent incident inspires two songs on Cone's next album, Join the Parade, and they're called Live Out the String and Life Goes On. Wow, that's awesome. Isn't, I mean, just a... To talk about luck. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yep. That's good stuff. I like yeah. that story. That was a good one. Thanks, my friend. Yeah. All right. So what you got for you So I'm, I'm going to hop up here okay. a couple weeks and go to August 18th, mm-hmm. 1969. 
and you'll know. Good year. You, know, you know where this is going. Get it, baby. Because um, we, you know, one of our first episodes, we yeah, talked about this. Absolutely. Jimi Hendrix takes the stage in the early hours of the morning at Woodstock and blows everyone away. He was supposed to be the headliner on the final day, which was the 17th, but he gets pushed back when everyone else kind of just ran long. It was Woodstock, <laughs> right? When and I so, think the rain too caused delays yeah, too, right? Yeah. Only two hundred people are left, or two hundred thousand people are left. Only two hundred thousand people of the four hundred thousand that showed up at the peak of attendance. Can mm. you imagine being one of the two hundred thousand people that didn't stay for Hendrix? Dude, yeah. you told, you went through all that trouble to get up there and go to Woodstock, and you didn't stay for Hendrix. This is why you never leave the show early. early. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, can you imagine you you missed out on all that stuff? He set his guitar on fire. He played the Star Spangled Banner, yeah. rocks it out with Hey Joe. And in all honesty, you know, in perspective, he didn't play that many concerts because he didn't live that long. So I mean no. any opportunity well, to and see he him did was... most of his playing in Britain because <clears throat> yeah. that's where he was famous. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. With the so, gypsies. Yeah. Man. Mm. Mm. Well, I, I don't know how I can top that, but I'm going to try, ladies and gentlemen. So, again, a, a personal story for me. So, I'm going to go back to 1996, August 12th. This little band called Radiohead start their 13-show tour, opening up for Alanis Morissette in Buffalo, New York. They quickly find that no one in the audience really knows their music, so they road test material like Paranoid Android, Climbing Up the Walls, and No Surprises for their next little album called OK Computer. I was fortunate enough to see them on that tour in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and it was my first concert and forever cemented my love for this band. So wait, you were there to see Alanis Morissette? I was there to see Alanis Morissette. I had no idea about Radiohead, just like everyone else in the audience. Yeah. And I saw them. They completely rocked me. And from that day... And it was like a jagged little pill. It was a jagged little pill. And Alanis was great, too. I mean, I've seen Alanis more than once. Yeah. Yeah. There's no shame in that. To see her on that tour, I mean, was, you know, young, angsty, you know, however old she was. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. At Hershey Park Stadium. What a cool story. Yeah. I like that one. Thanks, man. You know, Radiohead... Can, I, I I just when I think about that I don't associate them with Alanis Morissette, so to me that Nor seems like you. strange bedfellows. <laughs> yeah. It's like Jimi Hendrix opening for the Monkees. <laughs> it's just you know, it's, it's just like one of these things and not like the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there yeah. it is. All right, that's a good one though. Yeah, I like man. I like I the personal it. quips in there. Yeah. All right, August twenty third, mm. nineteen seventy. Oh, okay. This is a good one for me. Lou Reed plays his last show with the Velvet Underground. Mm -hmm. After a two-year hiatus in which he works at his father's accounting firm, Reed signs a deal that starts his solo career, which was equally good. That's cool. You know, Lou Reed is one of these people. I don't know, you know, if you find this with your experiences when talking about Lou Reed. He's a very divisive figure for people. Mm -hmm. There is no in-between about Lou Reed. You either love Lou Reed or you don't get it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
I'm one of the people that gets it. I love Lou Reed, mm-hmm. but I understand, you know, some people don't get it, but I don't know how you feel about the man. It's funny. So the Velvet Underground, more so than, than Lou Reed, I got turned on more from listening to covers of their songs by bands that I liked than listening to them themselves. And after listening to their covers, then it like intrigued me in listening to the actual band. They were produced by Andy Warhol. I mean, that in itself should tell you everything you need to know about how crazy that must have been. Yeah. You know, these guys To be a fly on the wall on those recording sessions. And they were playing down the village in in a time when New York was... (laughs) A great off time the rails, to live in the yeah, city. was yeah. off the rails. So Lou Reed, though, like if you're not familiar with him, because you know he's not necessarily a household name anymore. No, um, check his stuff out, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Candy says, I mean, there's some good, good stuff there. He's one um, of the best seven-letter names that ever have lived, oh yeah. right? Yeah, he's a seven-letter. He's the seven-letter emperor. Yeah, I agree. Better than Joe Dirt, easily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Joe Dirt too, so don't go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, my next uh, That's uh, a date. Good one, dude. August twenty first, nineteen eighty two. Bono marries his high school sweetheart, Allie Stewart, in a Church of Ireland ceremony at the All Saints Church. They have four children together. And Elijah is actually the lead singer of the rock band Inhaler, which I, we've listened or I've listened to. They didn't have enough money for a honeymoon, so Island Records founder Chris Blackwell let them stay at his Golden Eye Estate, which he bought from Ian Fleming of 007. The estate is in Jamaica before returning to Ireland and sharing a house with the rest of the band. That's awesome. Yeah. You're married and you're still living in the band house. Yeah. <laughs> After that's, that's staying at your honeymoon yeah, in, yeah. in Jamaica, man. In Jamaica. Yeah. yeah. Dude, what a what a rough that's, uh that's Irie. 180. That's as Irie as it gets, dude. That's yeah. that's as Irie. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I like yeah. that. All right, so I'll get my last one, my get last your date. Yeah, absolutely. It goes so quickly, um, just like real time. It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. August 29th, 1966, the Beatles play their last paid performance at Candlestick Park in San Francisco, California. After years of screaming fans, crappy venues, and even worse sound systems, the band begin their studio years where they make some of the finest music ever produced in the modern era. Mm. It was almost like those people that screamed their heads off and those crappy bookies, like, did the world a favor. Because look at all this great music we have now. So San Francisco was their last show in the U.S. Period. Oh, period. It was, well... You can't count like they did like TV spot stuff, yeah, and they did the rooftop concert, yeah. But it was the last time that they got paid, okay, to play a gig, like a gig. And that's kind of like Zeppelin. Their last gig was in Oakland. Mm-hmm. All these great bands where their last gigs yeah. were in California. California is the end of the world, man. Man, they always get the breaks. It's the end of the world. <laughs> what you got? Well, What's your last? We're one? gonna go north of California for my last one. August 27th, 1991, 
and also 1996. The band Pearl Jam release 10 and No Code on the same day, five years apart. Interesting. And what's cool is, is 10 <laughs> is still on the charts when No Code was released as their fourth studio album. That's crazy. Can you believe that? Yeah, 10 was a Titanic album. But, I mean, five years later, and you've put out four albums, and it's still on the charts. Mm. Like, that's just... Pink Floyd's somewhere going, yeah, yeah, right. small time, yeah. <laughs> Try 26 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You know, oh, man, that that's, was still, that's still a tremendous feat. Yeah. And that is a great album. I mean, you know? even to have it on the charts after your second album, sure. I mean, is, is a, a feat. But mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing yeah. stuff. So there it is. There's yeah. our dates. So, you know comment let us know what you think what are some dates that stick out to you yep. do you have any important ones do you think there's anything we missed and if there is we'll try to get it next year yeah but we would like to thank you so much for your continued listening um, and ask that if you could support us by liking following subscribing you know posting our videos to your page let your friends know about us if they're into this sort of thing yeah but otherwise, you know, we want you to have a good day, have a good night, have all the rest of that stuff, and we're going to offer you some peace and one love. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here at Raw Outfitters, we are an independent, family-owned clothing company for all ages. Check out our inventory of shirts and hoodies at www.raroutfitters.com and follow our social media pages. Don't just wear. Come on over to roosterstone.com where you can book the band for any event you can imagine. Acoustic, full band, whatever your event may require. You can also email us to take online music lessons at an affordable monthly price. Don't forget to download our original music and like, follow, and subscribe to Rooster Stone across all social media platforms. Keep rocking out at roosterstone.com.